G'day trail runners. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience with Ashley Drew and Daniel Ferugia. Put your headphones on, put your shoes on, and let's go running. Uh, I just got back from, well, I've just got back from a run. I've had breakfast. So uh, my, uh, my post-run brekkie is always a smoothie which uh, I totally enjoy. It's one of those things I look forward to each day. Apart from coffee, that's my other thing I look forward to is a smoothie post-run. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, what, sort of, what do you have in the smoothie? I, I'm, I have uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's just uh, it's probably 40% ice um, to cool me down, especially in the heat at the moment. And then uh, a banana, some frozen cherries, uh, acai powder, and hemp seeds at the moment so that's kind of my my go-to formula uh sometimes i'll add a protein powder to that uh depending on what doctors are recommending at that point in time so but at this point in time i am not but that might change you never know that sounds really good sounds very healthy um oh, we probably should mention that this is the trail runners experience isn't it um you know if people it is the guess, trail runners experience i guess people probably know by now if they've clicked this if they've gone this far down the rabbit rabbit hole um yeah and so that's good i love a smoothie i um i uh when i get back from pretty much all my runs i generally have either like a banana a chocolate and banana smoothie or just a chocolate milkshake that i I make up and you know yeah just replenish rehydrates the protein in the milk is good um the and the sugar is good in the chocolate and i think a lot of our dietitians really recommend it as well as a as a post recover run like drink so you know you don't it doesn't have to be too fancy but you know like i think it's definitely no, good... i know it, it it works for me it's it's quick it's simple yeah. it cools me down um so yeah it's it's mm. not my go-to winter product but it's certainly my go-to spring and summer not that we've even hit summer yet but it spring like summer, summer autumn yeah. yeah yes it definitely does that's yeah. for sure um, so you, speaking, of, speaking of summer, we've got Jackie Bell coming up today. She's yes. going across more deserts than you can poke a stick at. So She has, but not all of them are hot deserts. Some cold deserts as well. There are. That's true. One very yeah. cold desert. Yeah. No, so Jackie Bell, uh, looking forward to that one. Um, she's a bit of a superstar. I think, um, yeah, no, that'd be a good one. Um, yeah, so what do you just – you said about um, winter. What do you have in winter at the end of a run, like a hot chocolate or something else or – uh no, I, honestly I generally have muesli in winter. I'm not a I'm not a hot breakfast person. So yeah. um, but yeah, having ice in winter is just a little bit too chilling. So uh, yeah, muesli muesli seems to hit the hit the note in winter for me. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I um I like I'm a porridge guy, but I'll still have um yeah. So I'll come back from a run. If I run in the morning, that is. I do a lot of my running at night time. But if I do run in the morning or come back, regardless if it's summer or winter, I'll have a, a, a milkshake. Um, and then I'll have, yeah, por- a bowl of porridge or something like that. And that, that warms me up. And, um, you know, I might put some dried fruit and nuts. Very uh, healthy. And my, my son, who's two years old, Patrick, he loves wheat bix, right? And he, he can put away six wheat bix easily. Like, seriously? Already. You, I'll give him one or two maybe, and he'll eat them, and he's just like, more. 
He just demands more, and I just keep giving him. I'll just give him one at a time, and he'll just he'll scoff that. And he's just, you know, dude. The dude knows how to put away food. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. No. Never, I've good. never. Been, I think the most I've ever put away week fix wise this is before I worked out that I was celiac. Um, <laughs> was uh, <laughs> just part of the ongoing cancer problems, but um, I think it was four. That's probably the most I've ever put away in my entire life is four in a sitting. Normally, it'd only be two. You've been done. That's huge. You've been, you've been outdone by a two-year-old, mate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't yeah, be the no. first time I've been outdone by a two-year-old. That's for <laughs> uh, Yeah. So uh, tell me about your running this week. Yeah, so r- running's been good. I've, I've stepped up the, the Ks, um, which has been nice. I started to feel like a runner again. So... Uh, good. I'm Great. sitting at, I don't know, 70 odd Ks now for the, the week. And, and by next week, I should have stepped it back up to 100, which would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, had an interesting chat with some, some medical people yesterday trying to work out what's happening with my um, hypoglycemia. And so I had, uh, went for a 13K run the morning yesterday morning. And I did a 9K run this morning, which was quite comfortable. But. Um, then last night, you know, like I did medical appointments during the day, yesterday came home, went to bed, which is pretty much my usual thing. I need to sleep during the day. I just can't make it through a day these days without taking that extra time for rest. And um, I, I woke up and I went, oh, I'll take the dog out now for a walk and started walking and then and it was what? It was hot yesterday. It wasn't really hot, but it was definitely warm. And um, I started to get the chills and I started to get really cold and I went, well, I need to turn around and um, headed home, and then I started to lose my vision, and then, yeah, I pretty much only just made it to the door before I collapsed. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, had to t- I tied the dog onto my hand just in case I collapsed on the street. I didn't want to lose the dog. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it's, just, it's just really weird. It's, and, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of is, is why this is happening. Um, but, yeah, ended up. You know, eating a couple of lollies to try and bring my sugar levels back up and then went to bed just sweating profusely and I, and I got back up at like 8pm and was able to eat again by then because um, I have trouble, once I get to that stage, I just I just have trouble eating um, and I start to get a lot of intestinal pain and so that whole thought of lack of oxygen to the gut because of all the surgeries that I've had, um, yeah, it, it all seems to be working out and anyway I went and saw these these medical guys yesterday and um they you know had said oh yeah we can help you with that um after my surgeon wasn't quite sure who could help me because it was such a specialized thing and these guys said yes but uh I, it's uh, one of my first medical appointments where they um they didn't give me a refund as such but they didn't charge me for the appointment because once we'd got 10 minutes into the chat they, they went oh no nah too specialised for us. Um, yeah, right. It's not, what, it's, not, it's not what we were thinking that this was going to be about. They were expecting just someone with um, hypoglycemia and wants, wants to run. Um, once I explained that I run a fair bit and uh, that there was, you know, a very rare cancer involved as well, it was, oh, no. So, anyway, so they're going to do some more investigation um, from their end, which a few doctors are doing for me now, trying to find someone who might have worked in this field or yeah, played, right. you know, in this area. But um, it's proving a little bit difficult um, right now. So everyone agrees with what 
everyone else has said um, that it should work, what we're trying to do, but yeah. we just haven't figured out quite how to do that yet. So I think it's just a we're in the trial and error stage of, um, you know, as, yeah. we, as I've said previously, I'm trying to avoid taking very heavy medication uh, so as I can function like a normal person. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's, well, it's challenging. You're on, you're on a roller coaster, mate. You're a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah look, it, it's just it's pushing the envelope. It's doing things that people haven't done before. Um, well, yeah. As the, as the doctor said yesterday, he goes, "Yeah, look, a lot of people don't run as far as what you run, and then try to do it on top of a disease that, yeah, you, know, you may not wake up from tomorrow. Like that's." And I went, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to live life. And he goes, oh, I can see that, but yeah. Yeah, just, exactly. Well, I heard the fact of the matter is, mate, we're all, all, every one of us, our days are numbered, so we may as well get out there and do it, you know, like one way or another. And you're, you're doing it, man. You're, 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 doing, you're doing more living than a lot of people that don't have a terminal illness, you know, like, <laughs> so. I'm definitely, definitely trying to. I'd much rather be out in the trails and, and stuck in a yeah. hospital bed. So as uh, long as I can, for as long as I can do that before I end up in that position, the better. Yeah, nah, very impressive. We'll keep charging, and yeah, hopefully we can you can get some more balance though. Is um yeah with the, but uh, so you've done seventy kilometers this week. So that's really that's seventy k's this week, though. yeah, and it's and it's building up for something special, which um I guess we'll chat about Not, that in a in a in a minute because I think today's the day to tell for, everyone about want, it. All right, then that's good. Um. Shall we talk? Do my little bit, and then we'll come back. You're running first. Yeah, I look. Mine is pretty um, nondescript, but it's good, um, and um, won't take long. So yeah, basically, as with as per my plan, I have stepped it up again this week. So I ran seventy kilometers as well this this past week, and I felt really good. You know, like I had a really good quality week of training. I um, I put a I put a few speed sessions in. And ran, did a few threshold runs, actually, which was, um, and it felt good. Like, I was surprised at how, how good I felt and how quickly I bounced back from those. I did a progression run the other night. I did a 12-kilometer progression run, and I just felt like uh, it was, I could have run, I felt like I could have run twice as far, like, at that same, I could have just, just got faster and faster, and it, was, it felt good. And then um, I did my threshold, I did two thresholds, um, both of them only 15 minutes, but uh, a day apart, uh, two days apart, and um, really happy with how quick, how fast I, my leg turnover, and so um, just so really good. So relatively low mileage for what I wanted from where I want to be, but I'm really happy with the intensity. So this week, I was about to say, it sounds like you're doing yeah. pretty good intensity though for for the mileage yeah. you're doing. Well, that, so that was the plan. So really to so. The way I look at this is a coaching, a bit of a coaching thing, you know. You basically, if you're going to up your mileage, you've got, to, you can't up intensity and your mileage and your frequency all at the same time. You got to do one or the other. And and so, yep. I, I deliberately up the intensity. So next, this coming week, is going to be a much, as far as intensity goes. I'm going to make it a much less intense week. Um, I'm only going to do one threshold run. And some hills, and basically, but I'm and most the rest of it's going to be quite easy. But I want to, I'm going to push up to 100 kilometers this week, um, and so um, 
but just keep it real easy, you know, easy effort most of the time. And so basically not stressing, overstressing the body too much. Last week I sort of thought I could probably have done another 20 kilometres, but I reckon I would have been a lot more fatigued. And my focus is always to try and come out of a week not feeling too fatigued, you know. I don't want, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to injure myself. And so it's just finding that, that just the good, the happy side of, of, of exhausted when I'm, especially I'm still, it's still in the back of my mind that I ran a hundred kilometers just over three weeks ago. It's only been just over three weeks. And so, um, it, and so I'm really happy with where my progression is. And when I look at my little, um, the, it's a very even progression. I went 20 kilometers the first week. 40 kilometers around about the second week after the race and then jumped up a little bit more to 70. And so now I feel like I'm in a much better place. So l- low intensity this week, but high, higher mileage. So does that makes sense. That, that certainly makes sense to me. Mm. And then, however, before I, 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 I pass the, the baton back to you, uh, this is something interesting. I looked up, um, I've been doing some research about this race, the Ultra Easy, because one of the guys who I train, uh, Matthew, he's um, he's doing it as well. And so he was the one that actually got me onto it. I hadn't even heard of this race. Anyway, I read, I've been reading some race reports about it. And um, it's the first time I, I, I read over the other night, I read a race report and I was like, holy smokes, this is not going to be easy at all. <laughs> it, and um, it was because... It's uh yeah it's it's challenging. I think it's it's going to be a very challenging race. Um, not just I mean there's quite a bit of climbing, but the uh, last year apparently it was a very very hot day, um, and because it is the middle of summer, but you're down on the South Island in New Zealand, you thought you think how yeah, how, how hot, hot can it really yeah. get? <laughs> However, they had one of their hottest days on record last year in, uh, around Wanaka. And so I think when you're up above a thousand meters, it's not, the temperature's not so bad. And you do spend a lot of the race up over a thousand meters and you go right up to two thousand meters. But there is quite a lot where you down low and you go down back into the valley and, um, <laughs> and it's hot. And so this race report was written by an Australian guy who's done a lot of things. I don't know. I forget his name. He'd done a lot of, he's done a lot of ultras and he got his ass handed to him. Um, and he said that the heat was unbearable and like, and I was so coming from an Aussie, I thought, okay, so he does know some heat, you know? So like, um, I, I, um, I'm not underestimating this, so I need to really, I'm going to be upping my elevation. My plan was to do a fair bit of elevation, but I'm going to do a bit more, but I'm not going to give up my, um, my threshold runs. I'm going to keep doing them all the way through. And I'll do, I'll keep doing some, I'll, I generally will offset a, 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 um, a hilly run. The following day, I will always go down and do a, a flat, a flat ground run. So just for recovery. And, um, yeah. So, that, and it's just, cause I mean, I, I think I want to make sure, I really want to maximize my aerobic capacity as much as possible. Um, really push that. And I mean, Hills are great. Like I, I'm, and I'm feeling quite strong on the hills already. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a sweet spot, and I I think I can I'll probably do. Yeah, I, I, my goal in the next in just 
put it this way, in December, I'd like to do 12, at least 12,000 metres of climb in December. And so that's going to be, um, that'd be fun. I've done that, I've done that amount before. I've done more than that, I think. But, um, so yeah, this, but that'll, that'll be a good little target. 12,000 metres of climbing in the month of December. The, the, it's like the 12 days of Christmas. But the 12,000 metres. the 12 days of Christmas, well and truly. Really? The gift that keeps, that'll be the gift that keeps on giving. Leg, yeah. leg pain after you've finished. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's going to be a fun one. So anyway, so that brings us back to, your announcement. What, what's going on? What is the big announcement that Ashley Drew has got lined up for 2020? Well, to give, to give you a brief introduction. So in uh, not this year. So what's this year? This is 2019. So in 2018, yeah. I, uh, in February 2018, I ran a total of 2.4 kilometres. And yep. uh, that's because I was still trying to get over... Um, having no immune system from having experimental radiation treatment. Um, Sorry, how far? 2.4 kilometres. Yeah, right. It's huge. 2.4, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> huge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was it. That was, that was ser- seriously yeah. to run that far took a lot of effort, um, yeah. which sounds crazy, but it, it really did. So, so uh, how about this year? So this year I ran... Uh, I used February because I'd like that was my lowest month, and I'd kind of made the decision after that to try and get back to running properly, uh, and I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to. And so this year, uh, I put together a charity thing and said, "Look, I I'll raise money um, for cancer research," and uh, in February 2019. And yep. so I did that, and I ran. I was my plan was to run 444 kilometres uh, yeah. every four minutes. Someone in Australia is diagnosed with cancer, and every 12 minutes, someone in Australia passes away from wow. cancer. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so 444 is what I was aiming for, and I reached 555. Yeah. And um, so that that was a lot of calculation about what I could do each day and how I could manage my day to make that happen um, and it takes a lot of effort to to make that happen for myself these days it, it used to take less before I had cancer but now it uh, it's exponentially more difficult let's go with that um, yeah, and so for next year I went oh what would I like to do next year and, and my wife um, I got a little bit ill again this year, and, and my wife said to me, "Look, you need to go out and do all of those things that you've you've dreamt of doing, uh, because you know times times running out, and times running out for all of us either way. Uh, exactly. As you said earlier, you know we've all got limited days, but mine uh, have a shorter expiration date. Uh, yeah. In some regards, from what I've been told, I've, I've outlived my expiration date. So um, I'm That's living awesome. on borrowed time as such." And so yeah. I've always wanted to climb Mount Kosciuszko, yeah. uh, which is Australia's highest peak. And, um, but the only way to truly – mountains are measured from sea level. And so for me, the only way to truly climb a mountain then is to climb it from the ocean um, yeah. under your own power. So I went, what you Well, I was, I was in Eden and um, – Which is in Eden. 
New South Wales, which is, which is in New South Wales, and there is yeah. already a race, or there, there used to be. I'm not sure if yeah. it's happening this year. From what I've seen, it's not. But there used no. to be a race called uh, Coast to Cozy, which was yeah. a road race. Yeah, I know um, quite a few guys that have done that. Quite a few yeah. runners that have done that. Yeah, um, um, but road road racing, um, or just following, you know, the road it doesn't interest me as much as trails do. Trails is where I'm at my happiest. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. Wouldn't it be awesome to run trails all the way to the top of Mount Kosciuszko from the ocean? And so, so I started looking into that, and then I started looking into Aboriginal trails because I've done a lot of reading on old Aboriginal trails and so on. And and then um, I found one which was called the the Bundian Way. Bundian Way. But yeah, the Bundian Way. There's the Bundian Pass, which was the original pass used uh, that the Aboriginals introduced the settlers to that they could yeah. get cattle up to the high country. Right. So um, so a guy named John Blay, uh, he actually followed the Bundian Way and then wrote a book on it. And I looked into the path and went, well, I can't follow that exactly because it goes through private land, et cetera, and you can't get permission to go across the private land. Um and so then I started looking into my own path and went, rightio, well, I've, I've figured out a pathway. And um, so I am in February going to run from uh, the ocean near Eden, not not at Eden, but near there, yeah. to the top of Mount Kosciuszko. And, um, and that's to raise awareness for early cancer detection. So... Excellent. I, I, the early... The best way to avoid there's two things. Activity helps cancer patients take on uh, their medication more effectively. Yeah, it helps them recover more effectively, and uh, it also active an active lifestyle has been shown to prevent cancer from occurring. So, uh, living an active lifestyle, which is something that I do these days, well, I've done for a long time, but um, yeah. Is, is very important, and prevention is better than the cure. So going and seeing your doctor, you know, if, if you find something, you find a lump, something doesn't feel right, look, go see your doctor and get it checked out. Don't don't end up like me where I was getting tired and and then next minute I've clashed in the office and I've already got stage four cancer, which is not curable. So, you, so yeah, you're not just you don't talking want to end up about, in that position. So you're, you're talking about all cancers, all like so, like all cancers. one, yeah. Because like at the moment we're, we're we're recording this in November, and you're talking here about November, and I I personally hate moustaches, and I would almost pay guys to not grow a moustache. I donate money, <laughs> to it, or, you know. I yeah. But anyway, that aside, it's a good cause, and I think it was to raise help. Like, is it for mental health or for I don't know? But I I thought it was to do with men's health generally. But um, yes. But basically. Yeah, so it's good because I know a lot of men like will not go until yeah, will not go to the doctor until they're on death's door. Like my yep. my my wife works in operating theatres and she sees a lot of that. Like she sees a lot of guy men that are coming middle age, older age, sometimes young guys, and they've got like they're riddled with tumours, you know, and because in, they they'll go oh, I've been having these stomach pains or whatever. And then they cut them open and they're full of tumours. And they're like, well, we could have we, we could have got onto this earlier. They're, I was like, oh, yeah, I've been feeling sick for the last six months, you know. It's like, you know, so don't, 
don't put stuff like that off. Is that what you're getting at? That is what I'm getting at. Go see yeah. your doctor, get it checked out. Um, if, if it continues, see your doctor again, get it rechecked. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's much better to avoid cancer and not get it. So early cancer detection. So that's what I'm doing. So basically um, mm-hmm. I'm doing a big push, social media, et cetera, uh, and then personally achieving my own personal goal, which is to run trail from with yeah. my feet in the sand, go and run trail as much as possible and then, uh, you know, not road or, you know, if, there are sections of road, but they're back roads, uh, so it's, it's dirt roads, etc., all the way to the top of Mount Kosciuszko over a period of seven days. So it, uh, yeah. it ends up being pretty full on. So if people want to read about it, they certainly can. I've where, posted where, it all. So it's on the website C S E A, so the ocean C to yeah. the number two snowy dot run. So C to snowy dot run. And my plans to do it in February next year. At this point in time, I'd really like to end it on the last day of February, which next year is a leap year. But yeah. uh, gives you an extra day, mate. <laughs> it, it gives me an extra day, but it'll be in February. It'll be done over seven days. So it involves uh, a number of marathons, a couple of ultra marathons, a half marathon. Uh, so yeah, so it should be challenging. And as I was saying to you before announcing this, it's. Um, I, like I know how to, I can back up long runs a couple of days in a row, but uh, backing up seven days in a row—that's just something I'm not sure yeah. how to to do right now. And uh, medically, I've got to figure it out. Running wise, I've got to figure it out. Uh, Nutrition wise, I have to figure it out. So there's a yep. heap of stuff to figure out in a in a short period of time uh, to, yeah. to get that done. But uh, it's, so, it's also very exciting. Yeah, oh, mate. I'm just looking. I'm looking at the website right now, which I've seen before. And I'm just so if people want to find it, go to see the snowy dot run, not dot com, um, dot run. And um, yeah, and and Ashes, you're you're going to be adding more and more stuff. And obviously, they can follow you on uh, on your Instagram or your that's correct, yep. or whatever. And we'll find out. And so obviously, we're going to talk about this a fair bit in the coming weeks and months. And yeah, uh, and we'll we'll I guess we can break it down. And this might be a good insight to um, multi-day racing. And I know it's something that um, we, because we, we've already spoken to Jackie Bell, and uh, we it's something that might be, uh, that, that comes up a bit in that conversation. So this is, so the conversation that's coming up after this little chat we're having now. So people, um, yeah, I think this is definitely, the multi-day, the multi-day races are kind of like the new thing now. I mean, not they're becoming more popular because it's like people are wanting to run further and further. I mean, you know, so you're you're looking at running a 300 kilometer distance on trail, and it's eight it's eight and a half thousand meters of elevation gain. So obviously you're going to be going up and down, up and down, and then um, how high is Kosciuszko above sea level? Uh, 2,200. Yeah, right. So you know, it's it's um. And twenty good. something I can't remember yeah. exactly, but yeah, it's no, good. Obviously, like Australia is a pretty a pretty flat country, but there's a bit of there's quite yeah. a few undulations, you know. Yeah, so well, there's there's actually there's two mountain ranges. So there's a mountain range right on the coast. Yep. That basically you have to go up and back down from, and then there's a flat section. Uh, when I say flat, you know, compared to the rest of the profile, and then you climb back up again. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in, in just working out all the logistics, et cetera, with, with, uh, with the way I've been collapsing and stuff like that recently. So there's just, there's a lot of, it, it, in all honesty, yep. I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm a little bit scared. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I think that's how you, I think that's how you want to be too. So yeah. it makes you plan more thoroughly and it makes you, uh, test things more thoroughly. So, uh, and I've got some great, um, companies that have come on board to help me out. Yep. I won't mention all of them right now. You can check them out on the website, but I'll probably mention one each week and just how they they've been helping me out already. But, um, I would like to thank all those companies and particularly like it's not the company itself. It's the people behind those companies that, that help you out. And they've been, messaging me already and saying, yeah, how are you going? Like, how are you feeling, et cetera? Because I haven't been really well. I'm just kind of rebuilding now. Um, and, I, and I'm definitely getting stronger, but I'm also getting some weird things happening. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's good fun. And like, like I said, get out there. If, if you're not feeling well for any reason, go, go see your medical professional and, yeah. and get it checked out. I think you mentioned somewhere, I don't know if it's on your website, but, or if it's, um, you mentioned it to me. If you feel like inexplicably unwell for a while, is that, or something like, well, where you can't, you know, cause we all, everyone goes through, have days where you go, I feel crap today for no good reason. You know, that doesn't mean you have cancer, but if you, if that goes on, you might want to get checked out. Is that what you're Absolutely. Sort of, Absolutely. Yeah. And if, like, if, you know, like if, for me personally, it was I was just getting tired and I, and I wasn't recovering well anymore. Um, and I, I, I put it down to old age. You know, I thought, oh, I'm just getting older. But no, I wasn't getting older. Yeah. I was getting sick. So, yeah. you know, like if, if you if you train regularly, and I was training regularly, um, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden, when I say all of a sudden, like it it was over like a six-month thing, like you, like you just said before. Um, yeah. And, you know, for six months, I just wasn't recovering well. It's like, no, it's just, yeah. oh, look, obviously, you know, I've had a birthday. I'm getting older. This is just happening. But no, if those sort of things are happening, go and see somebody and just make sure it's normal. It may be that you spend, you know, 60, 80, 100 bucks and they yeah. say, this is normal. In which case, peace of mind. Excellent. That's great. Yeah. But they also might come back and say, look, I think we should just check this out. And you never know. Maybe you'll be able to run better afterwards. Maybe you'll be able to cycle better because yeah. they've found something that that can. And they go, oh, look, you just need to change what you're doing here, and and that'll make you faster. So yeah. you know, I think there's there's positives in seeing people and just investigating stuff. Yeah, I have some ideas on how to uh, help you with your training. I think I'll we'll, so we'll throw those. We'll have some discussions, some training discussions. I think um, as well to optimize your training and. Um, and so that I mean, to be honest though, like you've got a lot of uh, a lot of good miles in the in the uh, in the bank this year. You've done over a thousand kilometers more than I have, and I, I mean you've done. I'm just looking at our Stravas, and you've done over three and a half thousand kilometers this year. Three thousand six hundred and ten, Ashley. Not bad, not bad at all. And that's, uh, since, Jan- that's since January, isn't it? The on yeah. Strava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and I've done. Um, I mean, I think yeah, end of in a month. End of December, we'll do a we'll do a, a a Strava recap. I think that might be fun. Um, but yeah, I've done twenty five hundred, and I mean, like I've had a couple. I've had two injuries this year that have I've lost a few weeks of training. Or, or, but like, but 
But overall, I mean, you've you've killed it with the mileage. So like you've put you've already put most of the training in. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's not we don't obviously the next couple of months are just your final preparations really. So it'd be really interesting. Yeah, to, it's, it's, to, I, I don't I don't feel that I'm going to have a problem. Maybe I will have a problem mentally, but um, I feel mentally strong enough for it. It's it's not <laughs> that challenge that I see as the most daunting. The, the things that are challenging for me is. Um, one, I'm, it's an event where I'm out for a week. Yeah. Or at least a week, you know. So it's going to involve getting down there, obviously getting back and, and the event itself. Um, it's, so I'm not going back to my house and room that I know so well. Yeah. So you've got to be comfortable. Uh, so you've yeah. got to be comfortable. That's, that's one thing. Two is backing up every day with the mileage and, and what that means for the legs uh, yep. and for the body. Three, it's it's making sure everything medically is correct every day um, yeah. and trying to avoid taking um, medications that you – know, some people will take medications to assist them with recovery, um, but those medications – they have an increased effect on your organs, um, and I need to avoid that because my organs are already stuffed. And so it's just it's just tweaking all of those things and and working out. Yep. Getting that right. Getting into the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah. So. All right. Excellent. Now look, and I just keep when I think about this, I think about one of my favorite movies, and it's one of a lot of people's favorite movies. I don't know if you've seen The Shawshank Redemption. Have you seen I have. I, that's, that's a great movie. And then that great quote that he says about get busy living or get busy dying. And you're, yep. you're, you're getting busy living, man, and that's what we want. Absolutely. So, that, is, yeah. that is the plan, get busy living. There's yeah. no point in yeah. walking around. That's, that's it, sure. mate. Awesome. And on that, I think, really positive note, I think we'll, uh, we'll dive into our chat with... The, with Jackie Bell. How's that sound? That's it. That sounds excellent. Yeah, and uh, someone who is equally inspiring, I think. So, yeah, good job, man. Look forward to breaking this all down with you and have a good week running. And um, we'll let's go with Jackie now. Excellent. Okay. Well, hi, listeners. This is Ashley with Daniel, and today on the Trail Runners Experience, we have Jackie Bell. Welcome, Jackie. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, thanks, Jackie. Excellent. Nice to meet you. You too. Now, um, rather than myself trying to introduce Jackie, I'm going to let Jackie introduce herself. Oh, um, no. I'm probably – no, well, I'm not going to cover enough, you see. Like, I've, <laughs> as I was just saying to Jackie just off air a second ago, like, I, I – I flicked through a website, mostly stealing ideas, and um, wasn't the only website that I was stealing ideas off. But um, as I try to fumble through building one myself, yeah, you have quite an amazing background story to tell, which hopefully we'll get into today. But uh, you're 24, is that correct? Yeah, I'm 24. Going on 25 soon. A bit scary. Going on 25. Yeah, I'm double that. So, um, <laughs> you know. I'm pretty sure I've been teaching for 24 years. Anyway, um, so to get into to who is 24-year-old Jackie Bell? 
So I'm 24. My name is Jackie Bell and I actually grew up in Ipswich um, and I'm now living in Brisbane at Tennyson and I've been in Brisbane here for about four years now and I have one older brother, he's just one year older than me. He went to university for about five or six years, he did law and finance and he's now down in Sydney kind of climbing the corporate ladder so I guess you could say we're quite, um, quite different and I was actually a tennis player when I was younger. I played every sport I could get my hands on, but I have a tennis background mainly and used to play anywhere from 30 plus hours a week and tournaments and um, yeah, it was a lot. Um, I actually used to play doubles with Ash Barty, so it's been pretty cool in the last few years to um, wow. kind of see her grow as well. Um, the two Ipswich girls. I, um, I definitely don't have a paycheck as big as hers right now though. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that article yesterday. Um, well. But she's down to earth and stuff, so which is cool. Um, but yeah, I left school in year 11, actually, and that was quite unusual going to a private school and, you know, leaving in year 11. But I knew that I wanted to go and do my diploma in fitness and diploma in sport and recreation, and um, I found a pathway to go and do that. And so I guess you could say I've always kind of done things a little bit alternatively and um, always follow through on what I say I'm going to go and do um and yeah so i left school in year 11 and went and did those fitness courses and um i've been working as a personal trainer for the last eight or so years now um because i started working as a trainer while i was still at school so yeah i guess fitness and uh health has always been a big part of my life and yeah i just never thought i'd end up running ultra marathons incredible um, Ash, I'm just going to jump in here. So, um, Go for it. Yeah, really. So you've obviously always had a, an interest in health and fitness and um, and now it's following you into your adult life. And so can you so tell me, well, going into some specifics, like how did, how did running become a thing for you? So in, um, in school when I was playing a lot of tennis, I everyone thought that my – well, my dad thought everyone thought he was this pushy parent because I'd wake up at 4 a.m. when I was, you know, 12, 13, and I'd wake up and I'd skip for an hour or I'd run and um, do lots and lots of fitness stuff before I'd drag him out of bed and make him take me to the tennis courts to feed me balls for two hours. Um, so I was really, really driven when I was um, younger. And, um, and then I used to have a really bad... Um, temper on the tennis court and I'd have, these, I'd have these massive tantrums, I'd throw my rackets, I'd swear and my dad just wouldn't put up with it and he'd pick up the tennis balls, jump in his car and drive home and there I would be at the tennis courts at you know, 12 or 13 crying and I'd have to find my way seven kilometres home and <laughs> the first few times I'd dawdle and cry and um, then I'd get home and mum would late on me she'd be like you're gonna be late to school now and she'd rip in as well so i um i didn't stop having tantrums but i got quicker at this run and um <laughs> so i was running home from tennis training sometimes and i actually found that i enjoyed it so the um the punishment wasn't so bad um that's hilarious and then i, I competed in cross country in school and um i always came usually first or second and just because i was so damn competitive and the other girls didn't really care probably and from there, I always um, ran and I had different fitness clients who would want to sign up, you know, for a 10K or a half marathon. So I'd kind of train with them 
to achieve that goal of theirs and I never tracked my times or anything like that. Um, and then I just really enjoyed it. So I'd wake up some days when I was, you know, 18, 19 and stuff moving forward and I'd just wake up of a morning a couple of days a week and I'd run 20, 30, 35, 40K and wow. didn't time it, didn't really tell anyone, just did it because I loved it. And um, it was only... After that, I started looking into a few events, and at 20, I then did my first um, 50K ultramarathon. And, um, yeah, it was just a few years of kind of picking out different events then that I liked, and I just thought it was fun. That's so huge. what was your first 50K? Yeah, so before the 50K, I'd done a 18K trail race, and then I did a 35K trail race. And then um, the next event I did was a 50K, um, a 50K road race at the Gold Coast. Oh, so you did the, the one up and down the um, shore? I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a trail race, but I don't ever look at any of these things. I just rocked up. And, <laughs> yeah, it was from Burnley to Coolangatta and back twice. Yeah, 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 I know the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I people constantly say, am I going to do that one? And I think... Oh man, that's got to be hard. Like running on the concrete. Everyone talks yeah. about using the showers to cool down. So as oh. you're running on the beach, the showers that people use to get all the sand off them, yeah. apparently stand underneath them to cool down. I didn't think of that. I think there was a guy standing on a ladder with a um with a water hose, and he was water hosing us. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. That, that's awesome. So that was when you're 20 years old. You did that. Yeah. So only four years ago. I'm like, yeah. um, and so you've obviously, you've covered a lot of ground since then. And so um, that's pretty amazing. My first half marathon was when I was 19. So when, so that's, <laughs> and I'm now 40, so I've got a bit to go, you know. So, um, I've, but I've done, you know, I've done big events since, but I've never done a multi-stage event. So how did you get into these multi-day stage events? Um, so I like from there, I ran a fair bit over the next two years, kind of just picking whatever events I wanted and, um, you know, just kind of doing it for fun. And then I started having some injuries and stuff, not like injuries from overtraining, but I broke bones playing actually AFL, your favorite sport. We're just talking about (laughs) dangerous, man. (laughs) So dangerous. (laughs) So I was playing AFL and, um, I, yeah, I kept breaking bones and, um, I had a really rough trot with injuries and so I wasn't running a whole heap when that happened. Um, so I had about two years then when I wasn't doing events and stuff and I was living in Bali for a while and running in Bali is really difficult because yeah. you either go super early morning and um, like there's no one around and there's no scooters but there's heaps of dogs and these dogs run after you and scare the shit out of you. Wow. Um, so you either get bitten by a dog or you go later in the day when it's the humidity and the heat is a lot and there's scooters everywhere. So it wasn't enjoyable. It kind of just makes you anxious running in Bali. Yeah, I um, so I kind of had a fair bit of time off running. Um, I was still training, but, um, yeah, I then fast forwards. So I was uh, 22, 22 when I decided that I was going to do my first multi-stage. Um, and I'd kind of fallen off the rail a little bit and I just had kind of lost um my passion for I guess life in general and um I don't know if it was anything like in particular massively but it was just kind of everything um I wasn't waking up and feeling eager to go and 
you know, do anything. And um, so I remembered back to when I really loved running and um, I thought, all right, I need an event. Like just running uh, of the morning wasn't enough for me. Um, I needed an event now to kind of train for and that competitive focus, I guess. Um, and I'd seen on YouTube, um, my good friend Andrew Papp now actually, he did the Simpson Desert 250k race um, a few years ago in a thing called Search for Her. And that planted the seed, I guess, in my mind. And that was my first initial race I was going to sign up to. But within a few days, I got researching and that's when I came across Racing the Planet's Four Desert Grand Slam, which is the four 250k races across the hottest, windiest, driest and coldest deserts. Wow. And so, yeah, I saw a little bit about this when you were, you had a recent appearance on the Today Show, which was pretty awesome. And um, you got to meet uh, David and uh, what's the other lady? I forget the lady's name. I just Alison. Alison. Yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of David. I don't know. He's got he's got a bit of charisma. That guy. And um, they were really nice. Yeah, they they came off as very genuinely interested. And I like what you said at the end of that interview. Never say never. <laughs> it, was, it was good. I said to my friend last night. I said I didn't even. I didn't even think anything of that or, you know, I didn't even remember I really said it and until lots of people have um, really liked that little comment and, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even really realise. Um, but, yeah, it is true. Exactly. You never know. I know. I've... It, it, Sorry, go, Ash. It's amazing when you say a little catch cry that you don't think twice about and other people pick it up on you constantly after that. I've had that happen to me before too where I've said something and then all of a sudden I'm like, I can't remember even saying that. Okay, yeah, yeah, this is when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most inspiring is when you're not trying to be inspiring. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um so so the four deserts. So there's the I know I know some of them. I know you have to run in Antarctica, which is what that classifies the coldest, obviously. And And the biggest desert in the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's because it's very dry, isn't it? Um it is. Yeah. And what else, what are the other deserts you're running across? Um, so the first one was the Namibian desert in Africa and that was, yeah, ridiculously hot. Um, and then Mongolia. So Mongolia was very unique, very interesting place. Um, and that was the windiest and it was very windy, so much rain. We really copped it there. And then it was Chile, which is in the um, Atacama Desert. So that's in South America. Yep. And what altitude were you at in the Atacama? Uh, it's quite high. I think it was about um, maybe 2,000 plus metres at some points. Um, yeah. Maybe a bit higher, but I'm going to ballpark it at about that. I think it might have been even a bit higher. Wow. And, and how was that, like flying in and, and dealing with that breathing-wise? I was lucky. I got to Chile a fair bit earlier because of the um, price in flights. I It was cheaper for me to go about 10 days earlier than it was to go two days earlier. Um, oh, even putting into consideration accommodation and everything, there was a huge flight price difference. Um, so I went over and I was bike riding and running and exploring and swimming every day. And everyone was like, can you calm down? You've got a race coming up. But <laughs> I was just excited to see everything. Um, and I love Chile. It's definitely one of my favourites. Um, and so I kind of got used to the altitude, I guess. Like one day, me and one of the other guys, we hired some bikes and we did a bike ride. And we didn't realise that 
within about 45 minutes, we'd ridden and we'd gained, I think, a thousand meters in elevation. So we wow. started there. We were feeling it, you know, in 45 minutes, gaining a thousand meters is a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it was quick. Um, and so, yeah, that was the. That was the driest, but that one was really hot as well. Um, and then Antarctica was, yeah, the coldest. That. And how did you get to Antarctica? Did you fly down or did you boat down? It was weird, actually, because Chile was only about three weeks before Antarctica and the race kind of got closer and closer together as the year went on. And yep. for Chile, I flew into Santiago and then to the town. And then three weeks later, I th- flew back to Santiago again. And then you fly to the very bottom of South America to um, Tierra del Fuego. Um, it's in Argentina. Yep. And yep. then you get on a boat for four days Oh. Um, to Antarctica. See, that's me right. out. Okay. A boat for four days. I'm sorry. I'll just take a canoe or a kayak. Or, or, no, or not at all, because I, I get terribly seasick. Did you get seasick? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm fine. And I was taking the seasickness tablets, and they gave everyone a patch. And the patch and... The patch makes you feel super tired and um, throws your taste buds a bit, and you just feel in all sorts with the patch on so on the way back but i wasn't sick but then on the way back i was like no no i'm not going to use the patch because um i didn't like being stuck in bed all day and just feeling gross within about four hours without the patch on i was like (laughs) off the toilet bowl vomiting so much that sounds worse than the ultra like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tedious. It was a long, uh, long trek to get to Antarctica. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I run with a guy, uh, a good mate of mine, Dr. Smith. Who, um, we run together every Thursday morning, although he's uh, he's been in France for the last two weeks at the World 24-Hour Champs. But um, he, uh, he's he got Antarctica and South America to go to complete a marathon on every continent plus all of the majors. And he's been putting off Antarctica for exactly that, the travel. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a long way to get to, but I I um, I'm kind of lucky in a way that I have ticked it off the list. Like you know, at 23, I never thought I'd be in Antarctica, and so um, some of these places I've been, I'm glad that I've been quite young and been there because um, they take a fair bit of. It's quite draining all the travel and. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I'm roughing it a little bit because, you know, I'm trying to stick to a bit of a budget and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool, though. It's just incredible. Well, I was going to ask about budget because um, I, I can't imagine that you're making a living out of running because not very many people are able to. Mm-hmm. So how how do you get your your budget together? How are you financing traveling all around the world and and enjoying running? So I had eight months in the lead up to race one and uh, I probably had about $500 to my name and I needed 50,000 for the race in the planet year because it's approximately- Wow. Yeah, probably 50,000 Australian dollars to do the four deserts. Um, That's everything. And I started, I was working massive weeks for the first eight months leading into that first race, 60-hour weeks. So all of my earnings um, went into it as well. And then I got a number of sponsors, um, Flight Centre, so they were covering my flights, which is huge. 
Um, and then I had Brooks Running Shoes come on board, so they helped me with my runners, and um, I'm on a bit of a contract with them, and True Protein um, with my supplements and stuff, and a contract with them as well. Um, and then Jaybird earphones, like all these sponsors though, yeah. it was a long, it was a long slog. Like it started out just as product or here's a free pair of socks or something. And then they wouldn't give you any guidance. It's pretty much, you've got to show us what you're going to do for us. Like why, why should we sponsor you? So it was just kind of figuring out how to, um, show them that I'm of worth to them. And so by yeah. getting them exposure and, you know, I'd constantly be following up. So before and after every race, I'd email them, tell them how I'm going, send them the links to follow me. Then I'd send them all of the photo from the race that they can use and um, get them exposure in any articles and all that sort of stuff. And um, I started building these really good relationships with all these brands. And um, yeah, after a year of just getting earphones off Jaybird, they uh, made me a Jaybird athlete. So then I go into like uh, an athlete's contract and everything with them. And um, wow. that was really exciting because I think they only have 15 athletes in the world and um, I'm the only one in Australia. So they, a lot of these brands, you know, whatever you lack in maybe uh, talent or whatever, like if you work hard, if you have a good attitude and um, if they value you as a person and um, stuff, then, you know, they'll back you and if they see the – the potential in you, you know, like I'm only at the very start of what I'm doing and um, I'm very young and I think I have a lot of growth with my running left in me. Definitely. And I think a lot of them can kind of see that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely hasn't been easy with getting sponsors and stuff, but um, I'm kind of, I've learned a lot. It feels like I've done a sports management degree in the last two years and, um, yeah, you, you have to be... You have to be very motivated with it. Like I'm still sending hours and hours of emails and brainstorming and um, things every single day now. Um, but it's it's really cool when you get little wins. Like um, uh, I actually got to run with Dean um, Carnesing last weekend at the Black Hole for a few K. Oh. And we really hit it off. And um, I've kind of been chatting to the North Face for a little while and um, he's really trying to help push that along for me now and stuff, and we've been emailing and stuff, and yeah, it just kind of um, it just kind of unfolds, I guess, if you put in the work. Yeah, Ash, you, yeah, you you uh, got to meet Dean as well, didn't you? I definitely did get to meet Dean as well. Yeah, so mm. I was very fortunate. Um, sorry to break away from your story, Jacqueline, for a sec, but uh, no, you're fine. Yeah, in 2015, when I was really ill, uh, in fact, I was in complete isolation because basically if I'd caught any bug, I would have been dead within a week. Um, uh, Dean actually sent me a video saying, you know, I know you're an ultra runner. Um, you know, I'd just like to say, get well, et cetera. I'm thinking of you, et cetera. And um, in that, he said, uh, I'd love to meet you one day and go for a run together, which um, that was at the time I went, yeah, um, I probably won't survive to see that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat at Blackhall. I got to uh, to meet with Dean and have a chat with him, and um, we got to chat. I mean, we chat back and forth fairly regularly via social media, but um, th that was a pretty special moment, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice when you get to meet your heroes, and he's definitely one of them. So yeah, yesterday, yesterday in hospital, yeah, he is. And yesterday in hospital, I had my fiftieth in hospital treatment. So yeah, it's been quite the journey. That's that's so awesome, Ash. Um, 
uh, Jackie, another, so I want to sort of shift over a bit and like you're doing all this running and stuff. I want to sort of dig down into your training a little bit. Like how does, it, how does someone prepare for a, a race of, you know, any of these multi-day races realistically, but in the extreme weather, like what's your training look like um, weekly, on a weekly basis? I'm just, I'm just going to add to this question quickly. Um, and that is I have a multi-day run coming up in, in February to raise, raise awareness for, for early detection for cancer. And um, these are the questions I need answered personally. So uh, <laughs> detail, please. What race are you running? I'm not doing a, a race, and I can't really let on exactly right now what it will be, but it, it's 300 Stay Ks. Mm. Yeah. Stay tuned. It's 300. This is the website I'm working on. It's 300 Ks. Um, it involves uh, climbing about just a little over 15,000 15, metres, uh, a couple of mountain passes, uh, a bit of ocean, some mm. snow. So, oh, yeah, so what you're it, working uh, with day one, maybe. Yes, it, it certainly is. Cool. So, awesome. Yeah. So, so I need to know. Because that, that's gonna... a videographer. He's very good. He is. Awesome. So, uh, so my particular run will be, uh, I think there's what, three, three marathons and three ultra marathons and, and a half marathon. Okay, cool. So should be fun. So what do you do, Jackson? Awesome. So de- details, details on yeah. how to train. Okay, um, so eight months out from the very first race, I was running 30K a week. Um, I started working with a coach and we weren't looking at speed or anything like that. Um, and we just looked at slowly increasing my Ks. Um, and so I was running, I didn't wake up and start running every day because that would have been stupid. So I was only ever running three days a week for about a oh, month. Wow. And, then, uh, and then I was running, you know, a back-to-back day. And then, so I was running four days. And then um, eventually over the eight months built up to about 170K a week and um, we're running, you know, six days a week. Um, but then one month out from my first ever race, I um, got plantar fasciitis. And then from there, it was about a year and well, it was over a year with really bad plantar fasciitis. I ended up rupturing it. Um, I had mm. a moon boot on. Um, and running on concrete really doesn't agree with me and my plantar really plays up. Um, so the first five races I was running through that injury, which made it really uncomfortable. And like, yeah. I don't mind hurting. Um, I, I love pushing myself. But injury pain is different to, you know, um, Yeah, it's not productive. Yourself. It's not productive pain, is it? When you're injured. It's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes it very un- like unenjoyable. So I think that's why my last two races in Iceland and the Grand Canyon – they were so good because I was pushing myself, but I wasn't injured and in pain while I was running. Um, so training-wise, I feel like there hasn't been enough um, insight into the perfect way to train for a multi-stage, but I would honestly say like about 100K a week or whatever your uh, whatever your body's capable of where you don't get those injuries and niggles. Some people can do 150K a week, right? Um, and then I also do a fair bit of bike um, when I wasn't able to run in between races and stuff, I'd spend three hours a day on the bike um, in uh, jumpers um, with the heater on to really kind of get used to the feeling of, you know, being in the middle of the desert in the middle of the day. Um, so you were like on a wind trainer type 
setup. Yeah, wind trainer with the. I'm looking at it right now out the front Ooh. on the balcony here. Um, <laughs> and I do a lot of boxing, so just me in a boxing bag for an hour. Um, I'll do loads of burpees, lots of um, lots of high intensity training as well. Um, and so I think it really helps with the multi stage stuff to be strong, fit, and an all round like athlete. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I found that you know you don't get better at running without running. So um, yeah. running is definitely a massive thing, but you can still do it if you are only doing um, like a lower amount of kilometers. Um, and then I also think really practicing at least once a week hiking, like go to some huge, you know, inclines and hills and practice hiking with a really yeah. heavy pack on because you do no matter how good you are in yeah. all of these multi-state races, there's so many different points in the race where you, you can't run it, you have to hike it. And if yeah. you haven't trained hiking, it's different muscle groups and um, it's totally different. I think you just described... Um, a minute ago, you said, I don't think there's been enough into the perfect how to train for these multi-day stages. And as a coach, that's pretty much exactly what I would describe. So, you, mm. you know, might be onto something here, you know, like I think it is, it's about in having good conditioning as opposed to, you know, like you look at people who run, say, a, a standalone marathon and, you know, there's this idea that you've got to at least have done up to 30 to 35 kilometers in, in a build up to a marathon. But I don't yeah. think that applies for these small because you can't go. All right, I've got to go and run up to two hundred kilometers to get. You know what I mean? Like that would be ridiculous. You'd mm. end up smashing yourself too much. But yeah, so I think exactly a, a variety of in my first activities. race, I felt my body completely bonk and break down at about one hundred and ninety k because I'd never done more than that amount of loading and time on my feet and body. So that very first one. Um, I felt like I did kind of, yeah, hit that wall. Yeah. Um, but the other ones now, so it's almost like, um, all right, my body's done it before. I've done 200, 323K before, so I know I can do it again kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I also think that after a certain amount of kilometres, the quality of your running really goes down. Yes. Um, you know, like I don't, I'm not efficient. really interested in 500Ks and 600Ks. <laughs> it depends on what you're doing it for and why. But for me, I like to go out and try and run as much of it as I can. So after a certain amount of kilometres, um, you can't keep that quality pace up. Yeah, never say never, Jackie, to quote someone. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> and also uh, I can see a book between Daniel and uh, you, Jackie, uh, co-authors <laughs> multi-stage racing and how to do it so i get funny. a lot of critique especially because i'm quite open on social media about what i'm doing day to day in my training and stuff and i get a lot of people saying oh your training's really random what are you doing this and that and um mm. i'm like well all right you tell me the best way to train for a multi-stage ultra marathon when you've done when you're doing you know back-to-back -back ones of them or if you're working around little injuries or you know you got to fit it in with your life and Everything and you know, I, I just don't think there's any perfect way to train for them just yet. Yeah, I am. Um, no, I, I, I would say that your randomness might be at good, at least for the mental side, is perfect because when you, you know, if you're going to run two in a row and then you're going to have a six month break, or you're going to run two in a row and then you're going to have a couple months break between, you know, for your next one, like that's exactly what that's how if, you, if you're training to random, well, that's mm. kind of how the racing is too. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like there's one every month exactly on the 28th day, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. So 
And what sort of role did uh, nutrition play in, in your running? Because I know it's, it's something that is big. The longer you go, the more you'd really need to focus on nutrition. Um, and I know you mentioned one of your sponsors before. So, like, what did you do in that regards? Because you've got to eat. <laughs> in, my first few, in my first race, uh, my pack was about 13 kilos. And, like, to put that into perspective, it's now about seven and a half kilos when I race. And, um, and uh, when I realized how heavy my pack was compared to everyone's in the first race, um, I actually grabbed out about three days' worth of food and just dumped it in the bin um, <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> very, very, very bad move. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, that doesn't sound highly smart, but yep. No, it wasn't. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Um, and, yeah, nutrition's a massive one. Like, I, um, I now kind of – I have pretty much the same stuff all the time. It's, you know, a dry, a dry package meal for my dinners. Um, but I split it. So an 800 calorie dinner that is about what most people will have, um, like a mac and cheese where you add hot water or spaghetti or something. Um, so like a freeze dried type meal. Sorry. Like one of those freeze dried type camping meals. Yeah, exactly. That's what everyone has for dinners. Um, but I have that, I have half of it. So I have 400 calories as soon as I come in when I'm done within half an hour um, with a protein shake. So within yeah, half an hour, I'm getting that, my recovery food and drink in. And then I'll eat the window. other half of that uh, meal later on in the evening. Because, you know, after running, sometimes it's hard to stomach different things. Um, so that's always kind of my uh, what I do after. Then during the day, I used to eat a lot. Like I'd have salami sticks, um, Cliff bars, chews, gels, um, everything. Yeah. Um, I loved like eating a fun snack while I was running. Now I honestly can't stomach anything, um, and so I just use my True Protein Endurance, and it's got like all the right amounts of carbs, fats, um, and everything to keep me going and keep me fueled. And um, yeah, I never thought that I would be kind of fueled by just liquids, but it works a treat. Um, and so I mainly just use that now. So I try and have a bit of a bigger breakfast because I know that I'm not going to be eating through the day. So breakfast for most people is oats. Um, but because after race five, I just couldn't do oats anymore. So yeah. I actually take a massive bag of peanut butter with me. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I have a fair few scoops of, oh, I have a few scoops of peanut butter and um, just straight out of the bag. And... Uh, then I might dip a muesli bar in it or um, something and I'll have a protein shake as well in the morning. Um, and I really like to enjoy my food when I'm out there. So, um, yeah, it might not be bang on nutritionally, um, but if you're going to hate what you're eating, you're not going to eat it anyway. So true. And that, that, that sounds like the. I've read a lot of books on crossing Antarctica at one stage of my life. I thought that would be a cool thing to do. And um, that sounds exactly like their meal plans. Yeah. crap loads of oil yeah yeah just uh you enjoy it and you know you find what works for you but um yeah i think you you've got to like what you're eating out there is otherwise you're just going to dread it and um you know i feel a lot happier i'm like oh i get to eat this now and everyone else is like oh i've got this disgusting meal and i'm like no. well, why don't you just bring something you like yeah <laughs> Exactly. Oh, yeah, if you're going to eat, you might as well eat what you like. And um, you yeah. mentioned the your sponsor, True, True – what are they called again? True Protein? No, True – Yeah. Yeah, and um, do, just can you – do you know the website off the top of your head? Because I'm curious. Or, or if, what um, we can do, we can just put it all into the show notes at the end. Um, and so people, if people want to check out 
any of these sponsors we can would that be cool with you like yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah um true protein their website is literally just trueprotein.com.au oh, okay. and all of their stuff natural it's literally um like got the slogan the natural edge yep. and um you know i never used to be one for um supplements and yeah. really at all but their protein shakes are so good um they've got mm. like vegan ones and everything and this isn't even like a plug like i genuinely yeah. enjoy them they're really good that's good um, well that's yeah. how you get it be a good ambassador because you actually you're not going to take on a, a brand that you don't like because it's going to be you people can see through fakeness you know exactly as soon as you mm. start you know using something or plugging something that's that you actually don't really like People yeah. will be like, it tastes like crap. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and if it's working, it's good. Hey, so a question, why did you stop eating food during your run? Is Did you start going faster and therefore you couldn't stomach it? Or like what, what changed that made you not be able to stomach whole foods as such and you've moved to a liquid diet? Um, so I think altitude was a big one. So the altitude, it didn't affect me, um, but like, I felt a little bit gas maybe on day one or day two of a race, but um, it didn't affect me as such, but it made me feel a little bit nauseous. So I just didn't feel like eating. And it's just been kind of a gradual thing where um, I have I have food ready to go with me every day. I have a cliff bar there and, uh, and you know, some chews and everything. But I just found that I wanted it less and less and um yeah it was for no particular reason other than i just is kind of what i fell into and um i felt better by just stringing the liquid calories and um just focusing on running and uh yeah doing that i just didn't really enjoy eating while i ran right okay cool fair enough mm-hmm. um and what's and, and in your seven and a half kilos sorry daniel no, in no. your seven and a half kilos what's what's in your pack now so it's about four and a four, four, four and a half kilos of food, no matter what. Like, and that's pretty um, standard. And actually, that's quite light. You know, I'm, uh, I go the lower end of the spectrum with that stuff. And then pack-wise, um, I'll wear the same shorts and top all week and sports bra. Um, I'll have a hat with me, a buff, like a neck buff to protect me from the sun. Um, if it gets cold at night, I'll take a beanie with me because I also also use that as a like an eye cover and keeps my earplugs in always earplugs um i take a a power earplugs is in just noise cancelling type earplugs yeah the best earplugs i can get shove them right in to block out the snoring (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then i take maybe two pairs of socks and um rain jacket sleeping bag sleeping mat and um yeah my luxury items would be my jaybird earphones my phone my charger pack and my GoPro. And, you know, I could cut out a kilo if I didn't take any of that. But, um, yeah, I like to have that stuff with me so I don't mind adding that little bit of weight in. Do you have to have your phone as part of mandatory gear? No, you don't. A lot of people even don't take their phones. Um, but I use my music through my phone and sometimes I like it for a photo here or there. And, um, yeah, so I like having my phone on me. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably running in places that doesn't have a great deal of uh phone signal I reception yeah i um i wouldn't even uh i wouldn't even tempt going on it because my yeah. roaming fees would go through the roof so um, <laughs> I, and I like being disconnected for the week um i actually now get really nervous you know that first day back mm. being connected um you're just swamped with emails and messages and you're like oh can i go back to the desert 
Life is simpler in the desert. <laughs> so simple. Yeah. I um, have a, a sort of a, a pretty big question about um, I, something I think about a lot and I talk about with my athletes is um, there's two domains that I really focus on, and that's motivation versus discipline. And so what do you – I won't tell you where I stand on that, but what do you value more, motivation or discipline? Um, I think everyone lacks motivation at certain points. Um, you know, like everyone in the desert races, in everyday life, every moment you're like good, bad, you know, through a day, your emotions are up and down. So I think motivation only gets you so far. I think it's just, um, like the discipline of, um, knowing the outcome from whatever your action is. Um, if I don't get up and run, I know that I'm not going to be as happy and as good a person mm. today. Um, if I don't go to work, I'm not going to have money. If I don't, you know, it's yeah. just the discipline of, um, I think discipline trumps motivation. Um, yeah. yeah, as motivation comes and goes. Absolutely. I think it's about getting out the door, even when you don't feel like it as well. Um, and as soon as you're out the door, you're fine. Within yeah. 10 minutes, you're fine, you're happy again or whatever, you know, you just got to keep going with it. Yeah. 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 No, I cool. totally agree with that. As soon as you get out the door, that's, that's whenever I see or meet people, oh, I don't know how to do it. It's like, just go. Yeah. Like, you go, it's all good. Nike you really go, my, big thing, my big thing is like, I look back on my first race and there's all these crying videos. They're pretty entertaining. My friends love them, but I'm having this <laughs> But seriously, like six hours. And I look back on that and I'm like, all of that energy that I used on crying, being negative, thinking I was going to die, questioning why I was doing it. Like I needed to go through this to understand this. But all of that energy I put into all the negativity, I could have used all that energy just to get the day done way quicker. So I just don't see the point in using energy up on um things that aren't getting you anywhere you know like yeah. in everyday life things pop up all the time like i'll message you this morning and say hey i can't do the podcast today yeah and you're like well you can have a bit of a cry about it or you can just kind of <laughs> pivot and be like all right i'll use my time this way now so yeah. it's just about pivoting i think and going with the flow and that's yeah. such a good attitude and that actually make, makes me think i've been wanting, meaning to ask you this from the beginning of the podcast so something that's been a, i know has been a driving force for you is some of your battles with uh mental health and um or mental ill or do you say mental illness mental health uh, and also it, you've had some addiction issues and um did you want to talk a little bit about that i know it's very personal but um i imagine no, you're fine yeah addicted to running by the sound of it <laughs> Well, I um yeah, I had a few bad years there and I I'll kinda keep it short, but yeah, I broke um five bones, I had my tonsils out and then I was pulled off my scooter in Bali. So it was um it was pretty much twelve months of just horrible accidents and um I kinda whacked on a smile and um got through each day. But um I didn't realise that I was kind of sweeping all of the precautions and everything I was feeling under the rug and just ignoring it um and not really facing it head on or i wasn't thinking about it i would just um kind of ignore it and you know it's easy these days to do that by watching netflix going on your phone on instagram hanging out with friends you don't actually take any time to just be like oh where am i at how do i feel um and i yeah i got caught wind of um different prescription medications and uh yeah just went down a really bad rabbit hole of uh of things and no one even knew because like, I'm not going to tell people. I think that's when it was mm. – I think that's when you really know it's an issue is when 
you're doing drugs um, by yourself and not telling anyone. Um, yeah. You know, party drugs these days are huge, but you're doing it with friends or like well, people are and um, things like that. Whereas I was literally waking up at 7 a.m. and uh, doing drugs myself and then popping off for the day and continuing on with life. Wow. Um, and that's what is was concerning. And um, it was only a couple of my friends that really probably only two of them that really saw like me in that kind of time and they were like, who is this person? Um, and, yeah, so I, um, getting back to your initial question. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, my mental health and stuff. And then like just when you stop taking all of these uppers and things, the, the only way down and um, mm-hmm. I guess I hit kind of rock bottom and, um, I realised, you know, what I was doing wasn't sustainable. Um, and I didn't want to go, though, from this um, one addiction to another. And for me, I wouldn't call my running an addiction. Um, you know, I've always played sport. I've always been competitive. And um, that's just my work ethic. When I'm going to do something, I'm going to put my best foot forward. Um, so for me, like, people look at it and think, God, you're training so much. Um, you know, you need to calm down and whatnot. But... Um, it's not a, there's no underlying reason as to why I'm training so much or anything. I just love it. And it's what makes me look and makes me feel great. So, um, yeah, that's, so would you say that you're running or you're training because it doesn't sound like running is, um, you know, if, if someone took running away from you, it sounds like you would just take up another activity. Um, do you think that's your personality? Like that's who you are? Is that how you identify, I guess, would be the question? I think so. Like, if I think back to when I was, I was uh, year three at school and there was a skipping team and I decided that I wanted to be the youngest kid to ever get into the skipping team. And I was probably like eight. And so I would wake up of the morning during lunchtime at school, nighttime, weekends, and I would skip for hours and hours. And that's just what I enjoyed doing. And I just set this goal for myself. I wanted to get in the skipping team. And I was going to get there. And it wasn't an addiction. When you're an eight-year-old, I don't think that's your – I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was just what, you know, gave me that purpose every day. And um, so, yeah, it's just kind of uh, what makes me, um, yeah, happy. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing, like, that real personal side so of I, things. I, I have another question about that, just just to help the, the listener out there and with yep. mental health. Yes. So did you go and seek professional health or did you uh, help, I should say? Um, and how did you realise that you needed, if, if you did, how did you realise that you needed help? Um, so I was, uh, my immune system was pretty down and um, uh, I was getting sick all the time. I was calling in sick to work. I was cancelling on friends and um, I still live at home. So I was, you know, in bed two or three days a week Um literally just in bed and my parents were like, what's going on? And, you know, um, I then went to the doctors myself and I went to a doctor and just said, look, I've been feeling really like pretty down and sad. Like, can you help me? And I got a bit upset and cried a little bit and the doctor got awkward. And so then I felt awkward. And then the doctor did a 10 question quiz with me and then um, wrote me a script for some medication Mm. and like depression medication. And, and then 
said, do you want to go talk to like see a psychologist or something? And I was like, oh, like, is there, you know, a female one I could go to and talk to? And she's like, oh, sorry, there's only a male one uh, that I can mm. assign you. And just like zero care factor, no empathy. And I was like, damn, is this like the help I've got? I was like, okay. And after that, that's when I was like, I've got to try something. So that's when I went to Bali to do my yoga teacher training. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I just needed to take action for me, you know, sitting down and talking about my feelings and different things. Like it helps to a certain extent, but it's then your actions that are going to have the biggest um, impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, cool. really interesting. It sounds like you need a new doctor to start with. Um, <laughs> and um, But no, I think um, there's definitely the best for me. I've had, I've struggled with my uh, mental health and my wife has also, and I'm very, I'm willing to, I talk about that stuff a bit. And um, it's having a multifaceted approach to your mental health, I think is really important. So you're running and you're training as part of that therapy. And, um, and I think also, yeah, you become a yoga instructor or yoga teacher. That's also an important aspect of it because yoga is so good for, you know, the meditation and, you know, I, I practice mindfulness and like the mindfulness of running in long events as well. And I always say, if you, um, if you've got a problem, go for a run. If you've still got a problem at the end of the run, you need to run longer, <laughs> you know, like, and so. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, actually the charity, the White Cloud Foundation, who I raised funds for, for the last two years, they say that, um, like there's kind of um, a few different, you know, areas and they say for someone to be um, healthy and happy, it's not only your mental health and it's not just your physical, it's your social um, mm -hmm. and also your emotional well-being. So, you know, if you're just running and just focusing on that and training and being healthy, and you don't hang out with your friends anymore, then that's not good either. You know, you've got to be social and have a good group of people around you as well. And, um, yeah, it's the whole the whole thing encompasses um, yeah. itself. That's so good. I think, um, yeah, it's all about balance, isn't it? Balance is where it's at. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. And so, yeah, it's that, that very hard thing to actually achieve, but yeah. well fought for. And you're supporting, what, is that, your, what was the name of the organisation you just mentioned? Um, it's the White Cloud Foundation. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was raising funds for them over the last two years. Cool. Are you still raising funds for them or you do? have you got another, um, any other um, initiatives? I, my, goal, my goal was $20,000 for them and, wow. um, and I reached that. So I'm just uh, I'm taking a break from fundraising now and um, I've got to, as you guys asked me before about my finances, I've got to kind of focus on me for a little bit now and, yeah. um, and get my own my own life together <laughs> yeah what's on the horizon for race wise yeah i um everyone says that and as this morning always. at the gym i got asked by about four people what's yeah. next yeah like, i know how do i right? answer that um <laughs> so for me right now like lots of different things are kind of popping up here and there and um i honestly couldn't really tell you um yeah. exactly what's next but i've got all the races i'm gonna do next year lined up and um uh, so I'm doing New Zealand, the multi-stage again, and I'm doing Sri Lanka Ultra Exco, which is a multi-stage. And um, I think Jay Bird are having an athlete camp over in America. I'll head to. Awesome. And I'm going to do my first 100 miler at the Brisbane Trail Ultra. So that'll be a real challenge and kind of what I'm focusing on as my big next event will be that 100 miler in the mid-year. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that was fun running that this year. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I only paced and I paced for only 38 Ks, but geez, the, it was, uh, it, the conditions just made that race awesome. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Don't tell me that. We, we love no, horrible. It was, actually, well, you, you and I both raced Blackall a couple of weeks ago. So it yeah. was like Blackall, but uh, you know how we had the storms come through? Well, it just mm. rained for nine hours. That. Yeah, it just rained for nine hours all through the night. And then visibility got down to, oh, if you could have seen 30 metres, you were doing well. So, yeah, it was great. Um. That sounds like fun. And so it's really, it seems weird to me that someone who's done all these crazy long events hasn't even run a 100-mile event yet, and you know, like in a single day. So it's a different beast, isn't it? So running 100 in one go, you know. So I think that'll yeah, be... Yeah, well, last, last weekend at the Black Hole, that was my first um, 100K run um, I'd done. So it was kind of the unknown for me. I, I didn't really know what I was doing at all. Um, <laughs> And I ran it with my friend Dan, and yeah, I loved it. It was uh, super fun, but I was just kind of interested to see if I could have a crack at the single stage events. And yeah, I had a good time. That's yeah, you killed it. What time did you get in? Uh, we did fourteen hours and fifty, so it was yeah, okay. Absolutely um, killed it. We are. Uh, <laughs> I kept saying to Dan in the last ten k, I said I was like, I feel like we could have pushed it a bit more today, and um, I was pretty cooked after it, but. Um, yeah, I'm I'm keen to go back next year, and I am hoping to crack under 13 hours. So I think we've got a lot of time I could have shaved off. That's nice. Impressive. I'm sure you will, because you've got the um, the benefit of youth on your side, and realistically, you're only going to, um, you know, you're on an upward trajectory in terms of your, you know, with all the cumulative years of training, and then you know, getting as you get older, you get stronger. And so, yeah, I think you'll, you'll smash it. And like the, the, um, just the, one of the last things I want to mention before we wrap up, because we're almost running out of time, um, just about, you know, when you look at women in endurance sports and it's always very impressive. Like the other week, there was an American lady, Maggie Guterell, I think her name is. And she, I saw Maggie, this. Yeah. She won yeah. the last one standing outright. And yeah. it's, and it's getting to a point where it's not uncommon for women to win races outright. And, you know, there's not many race, sports where that happens. And it's just, I love, that's the thing I love about ultra running. And um, I've been, I did a race a few years ago where I was the first male, but I was beaten by a woman by 13 minutes in 100K. And it's and like, yeah. and someone said to me, and they use this term that I despise. And if anyone uses it in front of me, I'll punch them in the nose because I've got daughters. They said, oh, you got chicked. And I, <laughs> oh, have you heard oh, that? I've never heard that before. Oh, no. I haven't either. Someone said it to me as I was coming into the finish line, like 50 metres from the finish. They're like, oh, great run, Daniel. You got chicked, though. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like I got beaten by a really good athlete, <laughs> you know? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that she was a female. And anyway, so, yeah, in ultra running. Yeah. I, yeah. It's crazy. I, Go I'm, I'm with you. Daniel, I've got a couple of daughters and um, having people like you, Jackie, you know, especially someone who's uh, like there's plenty, there's ultra runners come in all age groups, but it's it's great to see someone who is kicking goals and is young. And when my daughters are so young, you know, to look far ahead to someone who's, who's as old as their mum mm. isn't as motivating as to look 
that little bit shorter in age to, to someone like you who's kicking goals, and it's mm. just awesome to see. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, all right, I've got one last question, and then I'll throw it to you, Ash, for one last question for Jackie, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, my last question is, it's pretty broad, but um, what is your sort of ultimate race, your bucket list race that you would like to do? Or it doesn't even have to be a race. It could be a run of some description. I... There's a few. So I was, uh, I'm tempted with the Western States, if I could ever get in. Um, I'll probably throw into the lottery and see. But I'd want to rock up to that being really ready to give it a go. Um, and then also MDS, um, like it's the oh. kahuna of multi-stages, isn't it? Um, yes. And um, once again, I want to rock up to it being ready to really compete. Um, and so maybe 20... Uh, 2021 for that um otherwise like i'm even maybe in like three four five years i i didn't even know what it was until very recently um the the triple crown or something of the couple miler races or whatever it is in america there um oh the triple crown 200s yeah yeah Um, yeah i'm I'm well off that i'm well off that that's like a four-year goal or something but um yeah, I think anything I kind of uh, have a crack at race-wise, like mm. I want to go there and um, do it properly. Be ready to give yeah. it a good go. You know, the first three or four of my races was about um, overhauling my mental health and you know setting a new kind of life path for myself and just doing it because that's what I thought I needed. Um, and no one really cared what place I came or anything. And um, yeah, now I definitely want to change the view of oh she's out there doing these crazy records to. Um, like I'm there to have a good go. Yeah, I, that's fantastic. It's just before I let Ashley have it. So one of my um, athletes that I trained, Courtney Dowd, she did MDS this year, and I coached her up to that, and she finished in the top fifteen. Like she nailed it. And I think if there was another, yeah. if there was another day, she would have actually come up more places. She was actually coming home stronger. And so, but yeah, I'll, I can give you some information about that because she. Yeah, we learned. I learned a lot, and she learned a lot along the way. But yeah, no, no, it's a really cool race. Over to you, Ash. Um, so mine's a selfish question because that's all I do is selfish questions. It seems. <laughs> um, particularly in this one, with with me wanting to learn so much from you. How do you recover between the days of your multi-day event? Oh, especially like, races. What's, what's your downtime like? Yeah, I, I like on the actual in the race. Yeah, in the race. Yeah. Um, in the first few races, I was very naive and I watched all these people who they just roll on in, lay down, chill out, get up, do it again the next day. And I went with that as well, thinking that was good and fine. And uh, it's only in the last two races that I'm like, what are you guys doing? And everyone watches me and I do warm-up stretches of a morning. I take Voltaren with me and I, when I finish in the afternoon, I stretch. I take a true protein trigger ball. I trigger ball my glutes and my hips and my calves and my feet and my back. And, uh, yeah, I massage my legs with Voltaren and um, I stretch. Um, I do, like, two hours of recovery while I'm in the tent. Everyone's just sitting around chatting to each other anyway. Um, mm. So I just make sure I'm stretching and the recovery, I honestly think it makes the world of difference. So, mm-hmm. yeah, stretch, take a trigger ball, and um, don't just sit around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I'll just add to that. I was very lucky uh, a few years ago to go to Japan to um, their top gymnastics training centre, um, and I spent a week there coaching and uh, training with those guys. 
And one of the guys would come in four hours early. I'd be there in the gym with my group training. And uh, he'd come in four hours early, and that's what he did for four hours was just trigger balling. Wow. And then he would just train like like the, the <laughs> workload that he then did during normal training was phenomenal. But, yeah, he did four hours of trigger balling. It was phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So lots that's to be spoken for for that. Awesome. I'm gonna sorry to I'm gonna have to wrap you up here, Ash, because we've um yep. all got, I've got places to be. True Jackie's time. got places to be, and um she we, she's given us loads of her time, and I we really appreciate it, Jackie. And I um yes, thank you very much. Yeah, well inspired. No You've inspired me. I'm gonna go out and run today, <laughs> and um, but yeah, no, of course, and and um, but yeah, keep keep smiling, keep running, and um, yeah, we look forward to hearing about your future endeavors and. And we'll, I'll put all the links to um, all your your sponsors and um, I don't know anything else of interest to you. We can pop it on the in the show notes. Yeah, so that's awesome. it. That sounds all great. Right. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap. Okay. All right. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, guys. <laughs>